we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. Well, good morning, Ascent. I hear one clap. You go ahead, clap. Come on. <laughs> We're doing some amazing things around here. Listen, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is so good to be with you all on today. Uh, listen, I want to jump directly into our conversation on this morning and the topic and what we're going to be leaning into. Uh, we're going to be taking communion uh, later on um, in the service, and I'll give instructions around that. If you're a person who's kind of new or newish, and you're like, I don't even know what that is, I'm going to give all the details a little bit later. Um, but for now, I want to jump into the topic for this morning. Uh, one of the ways I want to do that is I want to tell a uh, trivial, small story, somewhat cheesy story. So just go there with me. Uh, but I do think that it helps set up uh, the foundation for what we're going to be talking about today. There were two men who found themselves hunting a, a bear. And the story goes that at some point during this hunting excursion, whatever you may call it, uh, they were actually running away from the bear. And as they were running away from the bear, one man was faster than the other, and he began to outpace him, and he began to run way ahead of the other guy. And so this first guy who's running and he's sprinting first, uh, he actually found himself at the edge of a river. Now, this river was deep, it was dangerous, and all of the things, and it was just wide enough where he couldn't make it and jump to the other side on his own ability. So this man is running, he gets to the edge of this river, he stops, he prays, he jumps, and he falls into the river and he dies. The second guy is running. I don't know why you laughed at that. You, need, you guys need forgiveness. Um, so the second guy, don't throw me off, you guys, the second guy, the second guy is running. And the second guy's running and he's running behind him and he actually does not stop. So he gets to the edge of the river, doesn't stop and just leaps and he makes it across to the other side. Uh, the other person, there was a person on the other side of the river that watched the whole thing. And as the guy is gasping for air and catching his breath, he stops and he asks him, he said, I gotta ask you, dude, you were running. The first guy ran, stopped, prayed and jumped and didn't make it. You ran, didn't stop and you did make it. And the guy sitting there, and he's gasping for air, and he's catching his breath. And he said, he ran, stopped, and prayed. I was praying the whole time. That's a small story, trivial story, but I think it helps set up our time together for the topic of dependence. Today, I want to lean into what it means for us as a people, as a community, of what it looks like to totally and utterly live a life that is dependent on God. Like, what does that type of life look like when you are totally dependent on God? And I, and I think this is helpful for us in our own formation because we want to be a people that don't just have edge of the river moments and then we come to God and then we rely on God. And when the money's bad and then we come to Jesus, what does it actually look like to live a life that is as we are running the entire time? to totally and utterly depend on God. For our time together, that is the details, that is the foundation. We've actually been in a series entitled Behold. And for the last few weeks, we have been talking about this idea and this word behold. It's a biblical word that has a lot of deep meaning. 
And it's this idea of what it means to not only just look, but what does it mean to look again? What does it mean to gaze upon with intentionality? And behold, it's not just reserved for church settings. Uh, We are actually a people that behold things all day long. Uh, We behold our cell phones. We behold social media. We behold entertainment, all the sorts of things we behold. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what it means for us to actually be careful for the things in which we behold. Because if we're honest, if we do a reflection of our lives, the things in which we behold, if we're not careful, actually have a hold on us. Like, I need you to be honest with me this morning. Like, for some of y'all in this room, TikTok got a hold on you. And you know it, the amount of hours that you spend, TikTok has a hold on you. I don't know if it's sports radio, your draft, it got a hold on you. I know it does. I'm in the camp of raunchy TV, please forgive me. Sometimes it has a hold on me. I can do too much beholding of all these things. Uh, Love is blind, new season, crazy. It's craziness that's happening right now, right? Some of you in the room, you know, you got that Target spirit on you and Target got a hold on you. You go to Target, I just, you just, you know, you can't, too much life is going on and you're just like, oh, I'm stressed out, I need to go to Target. We got some Costco people in the room. You stressed out. I just need to shop. I just need to, I need to go. Life, you know, as the youngins say these days, when life is lifing, uh, you just find yourself in moments where you're beholding something. Something has a hold on you. This entire series around the conversation of behold, we begin to talk about what it means to behold Jesus. I kicked off this series in the beginning of our, for our, our couple of weeks ago, and I began to talk about that which you behold, you become. And all throughout scripture, we see this word, behold, the son of lamb is coming. Behold, look at the savior of the world. Behold, behold. Because that which we behold, we become. The second week, Aisha came up in all of her nine-month pregnant glory and preached God's word. Girl, you're looking good. <laughs> she preached God's word. And just my, just a digress. I digress just for a moment. But I have some moments where I say some stupid things um, as a man. And uh, one of those things is I just look at Aisha and I'm just like, babe, I don't know what happens in the future, but if I could just snap my fingers and just like, for the next two months, Aisha's pregnant. Just like, you know, four years from now, whatever, 20 years from now, we're 80. I just want to like snap my feet. Like, you're just so awesome and beautiful carrying that human. And then she looks at me with all this like disgust, like, boy, my back hurts. I have to pee all the time and I don't get no sleep. Stop talking to me about you want to see me pregnant all the time, okay? <laughs> but that ain't got nothing to do with today's sermon. She preached in week two and she talked about the identity of Jesus as you talked about not only having water moments, but wilderness moments. It's this idea in Matthew chapter four, where Jesus uh, is baptized and he goes into this water and all of these things, but also he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted. And what does it look like to behold Jesus, not only in the water moments, but also in the wilderness moments. And I think this is helpful for us today because I think a lot of us find ourselves having water moments. Water moments are those moments where church felt good today. It's exactly what I needed. It's what I would call like an encounter with God. If you've grown up in church world, you know that an encounter with God is one of those things where you've probably been at a camp or maybe a retreat or maybe even just in your dorm room and you're sitting there and you're just like, man, God filled the room. I couldn't even put words to it. It was just an encounter. It's a water moment. 
but if we're not careful, because I grew up in a tradition that uh, really emphasized encounters. But from Aisha's message, one of the takeaways that I took is that it's very important for us to recognize that encounters shape us, but it's beholding that sustains us. Encounters will shape us, but beholding God will sustain us. Like if you have a moment where you were just like, this is it, and Sunday felt so good, but you recognize Tuesday came around and you're thinking to yourself, well, where was Sunday? I had this spiritual high. I had this encounter. It was exactly what I needed. And then Thursday comes around and then you get that text message. And then Saturday comes around and then you get that call. And then, and then this happens and then, and then you recognize, I don't want to live on this roller coaster of up and down. That week that I used to preach, she leaned into this idea of what it means to behold God, not only in the moments of the water of his baptism, but also in the moments of his wilderness, because we will all be tempted. Bill last week came up and he really leaned into this idea of courage. Now, I listened to Bill's message, but I also was distracted by Bill's message. He showed this random movie with Matt Damon that I don't even have no clue what movie that was. You may know what movie that was. He really likes Matt Damon. I'm like, uh, I don't know. But it threw me off, people. It threw me off. It was probably a classic, but I was like, I don't know what this movie is, and I don't know what it is, whatever. He talked about courage, and, and he talked about what it means to live a life of courage in the courageousness of Jesus. Towards the end of Bill's message, one of the things that he leaned into was even in our moments of temptation, even in our moments of, um, and I loved his vulnerability, that when the enemy gives us exactly what we want, like if we're honest today, we can really sit and say to ourselves that, that the very thing that I'm in desperate need of, if the enemy came by with that today, I'd probably say yes. And he talked about what it, this, this idea of relying on Jesus. And in Matthew chapter four, we see Jesus rely on the father. We see Jesus rely on scripture. We see Jesus, even in moments of temptation, he was dependent on God. This week, I want to double down in this idea of what it means to live a life totally dependent on Jesus. And one of the things that I realized is that in this week, in particular, if you've grown up in church world, it's what we would call Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday in which uh, begins and kicks off the week in which Jesus leads up to his death on the cross on Friday and then Easter morning on Sunday. But this Palm Sunday is a Sunday in which Jesus comes in and he's, and he's actually uh, uh, entering into Jerusalem. He's entering into a place where um, people begin to acknowledge him. They begin to see him as king. They've been longing for a king. And Palm Sunday is one of those days in church world that we reflect on because it's powerful to recognize that scripture was fulfilled. Like the very thing that Jesus did was the very thing that was written in scripture hundreds and even possibly thousands of years before his coming. And what he did was fulfill scripture on Palm Sunday. And so on this particular Sunday, we go into this week with a moment of reflection, with a moment of what do we do that we can live like Jesus? What would you want your life to be marked by? As I was doing some studying, I wrote down a few questions. One of the questions that I have is, well, what would you want your life to be marked by? Like if you had the opportunity, if you had the power, like in your passing away, what would you want your life to be marked by? Like what would you want 
on your tombstone? What would you want at your gravesite? And what would you want it to say? What would the words be that somebody details at your funeral that you would want people to say about you? And I mean the honest words, because we've been in funerals before and people get up and you're like, are they talking about the same person that I know? Because that's not him. You know, it is a man of integrity. It's like, he owed me $20. I don't know <laughs> if this is honestly that man that you're talking about. I'm talking about honestly, who would we want to be marked by? Like, what do we want our lives to look like? If people got up at a funeral, would we want them to say that we were people of God? Would we want them to say that we were honest? Maybe we would want them to say that we were loving. Maybe we would want them to say that we were just a, uh, such a giving people. Maybe we would want them to say that it was a great father. Maybe this is a great mother. Maybe we want them to say what a student this person was, what had intellect and how, how awesome this person was. I would argue and push to say that I think some of our goal, some of our goal when we look at scripture should be what this means for us. It should be that a person that was dependent on God, what would that mean for us? if we lived lives that was dependent on God. I wanna read a scripture for you. And in this passage and in this scripture, it details really what it means for us to rely on God. It's found in John chapter 15. It's gonna be a short one. And then I'll detail for you what this entire passage is. And if you've got some time in your own reading and your own devotion, your own Bible study, uh, please read John 15. Like the entirety of John 15 is really powerful. But it's, this passage in particular is found in verse five and it hits right to the core of what it looks like. It says these words, I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I used to read this verse and I used to think to myself, now, he can't actually mean that I can do nothing. Like there's people who don't necessarily have a relationship with God, don't necessarily follow after Jesus, and yet they're living lives. They're functional. Things are going well. Things are, maybe they have money in the bank. Maybe they're, they're living life and they have family, all the different things. What, what does this actually mean? And I begin to think to myself, it's actually very clear cut that to live a life dependent on God is to have an awareness that apart from him, I can do nothing. And the only way that I can have this awareness is to abide with God, so to have moments of abiding, to have moments of sitting and reflecting, to have moments, not just of encounters, but moments that will sustain me of sitting with God, to have moments of just having small, simple prayers. God, I know you're with me. God, I'm about to go into this interview. Would you give me the words to say? To have moments where you recognize it's more than just you, it's not you. That the things that God is doing in your life is because of him. And don't get caught up on your intellect. Don't get caught up on the things that you have going on in your life. Don't get caught up in your talent. It's all from him. And this passage of John chapter 15, it's important for us to recognize a dependent life it's one where we have an awareness and recognize who God is. It wasn't only John 15. I actually, in my study and in my time, uh, one of these practices that I do is I, I do this practice and I found out through seminary and kind of like the tools of, that I've learned is to allow scripture to interpretate scripture. And one of the ways that I find myself doing this is where else 
in the Bible is this thought, is this concept, is this idea. Because if I were to get up on a Sunday and I begin to talk to you and it was, I just pulled this random passage out of, the, out of the Bible and I just built an entire theology around it, this entire doctrine around it, and you start to think to yourself, where else in Scripture is this or am I taking it out of context? So this morning, I actually want Scripture to do the preaching. I want Scripture to do the, 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 the revealing for us this morning. I want Scripture to do the heart work this morning. So I'm going to read a few passages for you. If you're taking notes, you can go totally write this in your notes app and I would refer to it. But where else do we see people living a life that is dependent on God? First, I want to read for you Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. This is Paul. He says these words, I have been crucified with Christ. And watch this. It is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The next one, you see Philippians chapter four, verse 13. You may have known this one. I can do all things through him, talking about Jesus, who gives me strength. In Psalms 23, this powerful passage, some of us may know, the Lord is my shepherd. Watch this, I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Isaiah 41, verse 13, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Second Corinthians chapter 12, powerful verse, my grace is sufficient for you. I want you to just keep that on the screens for a moment. My grace is enough. My grace is enough. Paul, you can keep it on the screen. Just let me keep talking. Paul is in a moment of desperation. Paul is in a moment where he's calling and begging God to change things in his life. He's having this, the Bible calls a thorn in his side. And Jesus's words back to Paul is my grace is enough. Not your bank account, not your talent, not your intellect, not you thinking you're so wise, not where you live, not the car that you drive, not how many kids that you have. My grace is enough for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul articulates for us a life that is dependent on God. One of the ways, maybe you're thinking to yourself, okay, Maurice, but how? Like, what, what do I do? What does that look like for me to live a life. I wanna go right into what that looks like and some of even Paul's words. Um, we must have a life, uh, first and foremost, uh, that is resisting. What do I mean by resisting? We must live a life that resists what the world values, what society places on a pedestal. 
Because what does society place on a pedestal? You have to be this very strong man. You have to be a man that is full of strength. You have to be a man that is full of all these things. You got to be all these things. And, and if you're a person, I'm probably talking to two of you in the room. This is a whole bunch of crazy podcasts that's out right now. They're talking about all this masculinity stuff and they have no biblical reference, but it's just wild, like wild, spreading like wildfire. Um, I'm a person who likes to just put names to it and I'll just take the blowback later on. Um, but if you're listening to the likes of Andrew Tate and all those sorts of things, I just want to like warn you, caution you, be very careful because then what we see in scripture is we must live a life that is resistant to the values that this world puts on. Like who goes around and says, uh, we need to be a people that lean into our weaknesses. That's not what the world thrives on. That's not what the world places a value and a success on. But Paul says, it's actually in my weakness, in my awareness that I am not enough without Christ. Like I am, I am needed, like I need Christ. I need him in my life. His grace is sufficient for me. We must resist the temptations to follow ambition. Like when we see the life of Jesus, we see that there's this call to live a life or this temptation from the enemy to feed his appetite, to provide for himself. And my encouragement to you, and I have tons of notes that I'm not gonna get through today, but my encouragement for you is to where are the moments in your life of resistance? Because it is a life of resistance that builds our dependence on God. How often do we thrive in saying, I am weak? Like my, 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 my call to be a husband, uh, I'm gonna just go ahead and let you know, babe, I am weak. I am in my weakness and I recognize that and I place that before God and I rely on him to be my strength. I rely on him to be my leader. When it comes to weightlifting, we see that this is a very thing that when it comes to building muscle, like if you don't have resistance, when you're trying to build muscle, you won't build muscle. And it is in the very resistance of our lives, where are we pushing away the things that we're tempted by? And it's actually in the, like the pushing, it's actually in the resistance that builds our dependence on God. Paul could have thrived, he could have gloated, he could have gone about boasting about who he was. He goes on in this other passage and he talks about his legacy and he goes on and talks about all these things of, you know, who he is and he comes from the tribe of Benjamin and he speaks all of these languages. And he, what Paul says is, I count that of loss. All the things that the world and society is putting an emphasis on, I count it as loss. One of the ways that we can build our resistance in those moments of resistance is this repeated phrase, not I, but Christ that's in me. Not I, but Christ. Paul coins this term all throughout scripture. And what this means for us is it's an honest recognition. And maybe it's just the small moments. Can I be honest with you? Uh, it's for me, as I sit in the chair and as I'm practicing sometimes in the, in the back, my mic just came off, sorry. It's the moments, we got to back up. I come from black church, y'all. I come from a mic anyway, all right? <laughs> Preach with a mic all the time, you know what I mean? Um, listen, not I, but Christ. Marie, stop talking about yourself. Um, so listen, 
one of the ways in which, in, in an honest moment, that I have found that is when I'm in the back and I'm practicing, and some of the people who know me and are closest to me, they, they know the struggles that I deal with as relates to preaching. And it's this area for me that I want to be my best. It's this area for me that I feel God has called me. It's this area for me that I, I, I strive and I'm trying so hard and I do all this study and I'm getting this education and I'm doing all these things. And it's those moments where I'm sitting in the chair and it's right before I come up and each step I have to think to myself, God, this is not me, this is you. Like, like God, would you give me the words? Like, God, I'm stepping out of myself and I'm stepping into you, Lord. I've done all the preparation and I get off the stage sometimes and I'm just hit with all of the things of I didn't say this right. And that transition didn't go well. And then I forgot to say this, and, and a, a mic broke. And it just destroyed the whole moment, and nobody's going to come to Jesus because of that mic. <laughs> it's these things that I battle with, people, in an honesty. And so I battle with these things, but, but it's those moments that I'm, I'm thinking and I'm focusing on me, and, and it's because of me, and it's because of me. And if I don't do this right, and it's because of me, and I have to continue to be in a place of resistance. I have to continue to push away. To honestly think to myself, not I, but Christ. It's not me and my fancy language. It's not how much Greek and Hebrew I know. It's not all of these things that, uh, uh, but I'm not like this person and I'm not like this pastor. And it's those thoughts that kind of plague me sometimes. And I have to continue to resist and push back against these thoughts of that. I have to prove myself so that people will accept me. I want you to know that living a life that is utterly and totally dependent on God is recognizing that you have nothing to prove to anyone. Young people, I hope you're listening to me. You have nothing to prove to anyone. Where are the moments in our life of resisting? Now, you may think to yourself, Maurice, listen, I'm not preaching. I don't have no mic in my hand. I'm not going to get on stage one day. I know, but when you're walking into work, when you have that meeting with your boss, when you're driving down the road and you're going to pick up your kids, when you're at that PTA meeting, when you're just sitting at home and you're, you're just watching your kids play, when you're having just the moments in life wherever you find yourself, maybe it's ambition, maybe it's pride, whatever it may be, there's moments that we are called to resist when we try to provide for ourselves, when we try to feed our own appetites, when we try to prove ourselves. Maybe yours isn't being on stage, but it's something. And the more that we can build resistance, we build dependence. Not I, but Christ. This morning, it's not only resistance, but it's also remembrance. Uh, we want to take this thing called communion. And in communion, um, what I want you to know today is to live a life that is utterly and totally dependent on God. It, does, it just doesn't come with resistance but it comes with remembrance and a place in a regular rhythm of remembrance. Maurice, remember what? In all of our duties and all of the things that we live in life, Jesus is at this table. And as Jesus is at this table, he's with what the Bible calls his disciples, his apprentices, his students. And as Jesus is sitting there, he's having this last supper and one of the things that he tells them to do is to do this as often as you can in remembrance of me. What I believe God is calling us to do and have a regular rhythm of is to have a regular rhythm of remembering him, remembering what he did on that cross. And when we take communion, 
We do this because we want to take moments to slow down, to really emphasize what God has done for every single one of us. And when we can remember what he did on that cross and when he expressed his love for all of humanity, it slows us down enough to rest in that thought, not I, but Christ. To have a place where we regularly remember what God thinks about us. Not only what we think about God, not only what he has done for us, but where are we having moments where we are regularly, regularly remembering what God thinks about us. And it's in these moments that we can partake and as a community remind each other what God has done. There's these elements uh, in church world and it's going to be a little cup that has Welch's juice in it. And then there's going to be some bread that we have cut up. This is actually a first Sunday in which we've done this in a very long time um, as it relates to physical bread, going through all of the COVID pandemic stuff. And so um, if you do want to partake in that, uh, we do have these elements. Uh, we're going to be singing a song, and this song is around Behold Him. Uh, we have stations that are in the back and stations that are up front. And here's what I want you to do at your own time and at your own pace. I want you to come up and there's going to be a person who's ready to give you uh, just a little cup of Welch's and also a little piece of bread. And what I want us to think about for this moment is what God has done for us and what this means for every single one of us. Would you pray with me? God, On that night that you were betrayed, you took bread and you gave thanks and you broke it. And you said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in that same way, after the supper that you had with the disciples, you took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant. In my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. At this moment, at your own time, you can come and partake of communion. This next song that we're gonna be singing is called Behold Him. And this communion moment is all about that these last few weeks was all about beholding Christ as we go into this holy week, reflecting and remembering what Jesus Christ did for all of us. And this morning was simply to emphasize and to encourage us to utterly and totally depend on God at every turn. And this morning, that may be your simple prayer. The Lord, give me an awareness that it is not I, but Christ. And that is my prayer for us. Lord, thank you for this moment of remembering what you have done, that it was on that cross that you made it all possible for every single one of us. And you loved us in that moment. And for that, not only do we say thank you, but we behold you.